Hi, and welcome back to A Girl's Guide 2. The third podcast in the series, uh, Cancer, the gift that just keeps giving. So today I thought I'd have a chat about the subtle yet perceptible change that happens uh, around you and with you and potentially to you when you are diagnosed with terminal cancer and for me um, many things changed so you know initially you have that first wave of the mental the mental challenges show up where you decide how you're going to respond to the diagnosis and I've spoken briefly on earlier podcasts about a decision I made very early on that I didn't have time or I certainly didn't think I had time or the emotional energy to spend on being angry or the why me or um, why not someone else or I I just never went there and never felt it. I also didn't want to spend my energy on that. I think I was so scared in those early days of dying and potentially not for missed opportunity for myself it was potentially more about the the sadness of leaving my son I felt like I just got to this point in my life where I was you know I'd done this thing I'd had this child I'd had this child on my own and I was just so in love with him and which I still am I was so in love with him and I was so in love with being a mother and I felt I felt this great sense of connection and the guilt at thinking I'm his only parent and now I've got terminal cancer shit what's gonna happen to him what is gonna happen to my child And I felt very sad and very guilty about that. But then I soon realised that none of that, leaning back from the situation I was in and going into crisis, wasn't going to help anyone, least of all myself and my son. And so I literally lent in to the diagnosis at that point and put everything on the table of what was possible. I've spoken to you about finding a good oncologist and creating all those things, but I went all in at that stage. And I think, you know, getting past those significant mental hurdles and then you have the physical hurdles of the things that your body just won't won't do anymore. You start the treatment, you know, I went from a... A fairly sort of healthy person to someone who hanging the clothes out was 
you're hanging the washing out was it like a huge you might as well have asked me to walk like you know go on a pilgrimage at times that's what it honestly felt like and I laugh because you know I think back to those days of, of sitting or like possibly lying on the couch and hearing the washing machine finish in the laundry and lying there thinking I've got to get up and hang that out I don't know how I'm going to do that. And then even the willing yourself, you know, come on, let's do this. But your body is just, I'm not playing. I'm not in for this. I'm not up for this. I'm not playing. You're on your own, girlfriend. Um, and so then you have those physical challenges which you have to get used to this, this lack of functionality in your body and then side effects and let's not go back there because Jesus Christ any any illness I get now <laughs> it seems to be like yeah you know I've got some serious pulmonary virus, virus but I'm okay comparatively but the biggest thing the biggest subtle yet infinitely perceptible change for me was the change in the way that people treated me. And I think I've mentioned before, you know, that look that people got when, you know, I knew, I knew when we were not looking at good news, say at the oncologist or if the GP was concerned about something or the ophthalmologist when I was experiencing issues with my eyesight, um, they would get a look. And that look to me translated to, she's fucked, we just don't know how to tell her. The only person who never looked at me like that was my oncologist uh, associate, Professor Victoria Atkinson. She never, never, I think at one point she spoke very softly to me and I wanted to scream and say to her, Please just speak normally. Nothing's changed except the news you're going to deliver. So, you know, for me, it was that real, you, you became this, this victim. People looked at you like, you poor thing. I'm so sorry this has happened to you. I can't believe this has happened to you. Oh, this is so terrible this has happened to you. And are you noticing the language? All of these things are happening to me so terrible that this cancer has been inflicted on you that you are this poor person who's now a victim and you know with a victim for me it is a completely disempowering way to speak treat describe someone because it suggests that the person you are referring to has no active role in the event or how the event is dealt with, handled, how we move through something, how we emotionally reconcile ourselves to something. Victim to me suggests that the person who's involved at the centre of the event is powerless, can affect no change or can affect, can't affect the outcome at all. They're powerless. And so for me, it pissed me off. 
it pissed me off that I was this poor Natalie. She's had this, you know, this horrible thing happen to her and isn't this terrible? And Wow, now we're just going to sit her in a corner and wait for it to wither up like a bunch of flowers that no one's bothering to water and wait for her to die. That's what it felt like. Now, I'm sure when people were speaking to me like that, they never intended for that to be the perception on my side or the way it was received, but it certainly was. And if there's one thing I know about myself, I mean, I know many things about myself, but one of the things I'm very confident about myself in is the fact that I am not a victim. I am nobody's victim. I have had some fairly significant events occur to me in the course of my life. Occur with me, to me, with me, with me, let's go with me, you know. And at no point did I ever consider myself to be a victim in any of those situations at all. And again, it comes back to that thing where the title of victim suggests that I'm powerless. And I am not powerless. I am fucking powerful. If you know me, you know how powerful I am. We all are. Sometimes we just make a choice to abdicate our responsibility from stepping into that power. So for those of you out there, if I could share some little tips. If you have someone in your life that is going through a significant trauma or is, might, through some series of unfortunate events, be someone who's quite ill, maybe with a terminal diagnosis or a life-changing diagnosis, or have just been through something which is a life-changing event, it alters the the makeup of who you were to who you are. Please don't treat them like a victim. Please don't treat them like a victim. There is such a sense of powerlessness in that in that word. I ain't no victim. Thanks for joining me today. I do hope that has been of interest or something has been of interest. I'm really enjoying recording these podcasts. So thank you again for your time and your attention. As always, reach out to me if you feel the need and uh, stay tuned for the next installation.